0: are made possible by donations from people like you
1: Non-attachment So um, <clears throat> as many of you would uh, know now, be very fami- familiar with the notion of uh, non-attachment in Buddhism and) uh, Sometimes it's seen as being one of the root causes of suffering. So maybe then the. Uh, sorry, attachment is the root cause of suffering. So non attachment is seen as being the solution to the cause of suffering. Attachment, craving, clinging, grasping, desiring. Um, <clears throat> so. If attachment's the cause of suffering, then non-attachment is the solution to that. So, um, why, why are we all here and not in a monastery? Off to the monastery to you, if you all. <coughs> but, uh, so, of course, it's not that simple for us lay practitioners. Um, we, know, we don't want to give up our healthy attachments to our partners and lifestyles, uh, our houses, our homes, Um, I don't think anybody here is about to sell up all the worldly possessions and leave their partner and go off to the Thai Forest Monastery for the rest of their lives, are there anybody contemplating that? Maybe guys. You <laughs> 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 have to try it at least once. <laughs> we've all done our stint. <laughs>
0: so we've already got really a lot of possessions. No wife, no home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: So you're not, you're, not, you're not far off being a homeless wandering uh, medicant monk. That's right. Biku. You just need the outfit now. More monk in the community. Yeah, just mm. get the dress and the bowl and.
2: Bob, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, to tell I
1: can feed myself. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, we, so we're not about to do that. Um, so there must be some, uh, maybe a, a more, a, a different kind of understanding of non attachment that we can arrive at. And of course, uh, as I mentioned to you before, there are some perils on the spiritual path, and often go by the name spiritual bypassing, <coughs> whereby spiritual practice, such as going to a monastery or, <coughs> or even long retreats, can be forms of, uh, of, uh, of finding ways to avoid, spir- uh, to avoid painful emotions or inner conflicts and so on, repressing emotions. Uh, Avoiding the need for a relationship or avoiding our sexuality in some way, so uh, um, you know the uh, spiritual practices can also be uh, harnessed by our by our very clever minds as another form of uh, protective strategy or defense mechanism one way or another. Mm-hmm. So is there another understanding of non-attachment that is not so literal and that can support us leading the life we lead, <clears throat> enjoying all the, the comforts of this good life, uh, enjoying our relationships and uh, an occasional got- bottle of good wine, etc. Um, and uh, the answer is, of course, yes. <laughs> We'd have to come up with something. <laughs> And uh, you will find this in uh, in Zen practice, and other sort of uh, tantric traditions, and, and non-dual traditions. Um, so, the idea of non-attachment as uh, sometimes referred to as uh, just dwelling in non-abiding awareness. Mm. So, um, this is found in many teachings, one that allows us to stay at home and enjoy the benefits of family life and the good life. And we find this understanding in Zen, in all Mahayana Buddhism, in particular in the Prashna Paramita teachings, the Wisdom Beyond Wisdom teachings, which are very central to the, uh, the Mahayana and the Vajrayana traditions. So, the Vajrayana tradition is the uh, is the Tibetan tradition which are included within the Mahayana, and the Mahayana includes the Chinese Zen and other forms of Buddhism. And the basic thesis really is that uh, uh, our, our, our suffering are, comes from delusion, and this basic delusion, ignorance, samsara, is when our awareness becomes attached, uh, trapped or stuck. And, uh, So the freedom that we're seeking, the sense of completeness or nirvana or awakening um, is available right here and right now within the lay life. One can be fully um, awake and practicing without having to go off to a monastery. So it's when awareness itself is liberated from attachment or grasping. See awareness or consciousness has this this habit of, getting, of forgetting itself and getting lost mm. and attached to uh, various phenomena of this world including our ego and all our constructions. This is a little quote from uh, one of the Prajna Paramita teachings where Subuti, one of the uh, senior monks, is, is talking to the Buddha he says, Sabuti says, how is prashna Paramita, the highest wisdom, characterized? And the Buddha replies, it is characterized by non-attachment. To the extent that beings take hold of things and settle down in them, to that extent there is defilement. But no one is thereby defiled. And to the extent that one does not take hold of things and does not settle down in them, to that extent can one conceive of the absence of I making and, my make, and mine making. Just repeat that. And to the extent that one does not take hold of things and does not settle down on, in them, to that extent can one conceive of the absence of I making and mine making. In that sense, one can form the concept of the purification of beings, i.e., to the extent that they do not take hold of things and do not settle down in them, to that extent there is purification. But no one is therein purified. When a Bodhisattva courses thus, he courses or she courses in Prashna paramita. So I think what he's basically saying there is that um, it's this sense of attachment that, uh, in, in particularly the form of attachment to self that is the most core um, um, arising of suffering. Um, it's the uh, attachment to I, me, and mine, and um, and this is what creates all our difficulties and problems, from, from domestic relationships through to to. Uh, Groups and and, and uh, international relationships. So this quote was taken from an article by a Zen Buddhist teacher called David Lloyd. From an article that he wrote entitled "Awareness Bound and Unbound" in two thousand and eight. David Lloyd's a very a nice uh, contemporary Zen teacher, and he's uh, also very active in the environmental movement as well. Worth a reading. <clears throat> so, what the Buddha here is focusing in non-attachment to self. And by self, he means our egoic consciousness, our sense of being a separate self. So, we don't have to forsake our natural, healthy attachments as human beings. We don't have to deny our lovely and loving animal nature. You know, the beautiful way in which. Um, um, Cattle look after themselves, both both, both cows and steers, they're very loving to each other. And we participate in that animal nature, we don't have to deny it, we don't have to deny our nature to be enlightened. We can be kind to our bodies and to the needs of our bodies for warmth and security, but just don't get caught or identified in the I, me or mine storyline. Don't necessarily, the ego doesn't necessarily have to die as such, but really just our attachment to the ego that needs to die. Um, like I was talking to her before about that sense of just being able to take our, our ego off like our clothes off and then put it back on again when we need it again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That sense of which we talked about the. I uh, talked about the. In the same way we need our senses for navigating the natural world, we need our ego for navigating the social world. And so, David Loy asks in this article, um, do we miss the nature of liberated mind, meaning unbound awareness, um, not because it is too obscure or difficult to understand, but because it is too obvious? I'm going to read a story that some of you heard me read out a couple of weeks ago, but I'll just read it out again. It doesn't make any no harm to hear it again. One of the Nazarudin stories. For years, Nasruddin herded donkeys carrying baskets of various items back and forth across the border with the neighbouring kingdom. The border guard suspected he was smuggling something, but despite the concerted searches, they could never find anything. After he retired, Nasruddin moved to a distant city and one day ran across one of the border guards at a roadside cafe. Nasruddin, the guard, greeted him. What a surprise! After chatting for a few minutes, the guard couldn't help asking the question he'd been harbouring for so many years. Tell me, what were you smuggling? Ah, uh, replied Nazruddin, sipping his tea. I was smuggling donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely story. Uh, <clears throat> really cuts through to the, uh, how we miss that, which is right in front of our very noses all the time. So, um, as you're getting, getting the idea now after reading the Heart Sutra and the various um, teachings we've been investigating Mahayana Buddhism recognizes two different perspectives on life the absolute and the relative and both are true in the sense that they're both two sides of the one coin. That's the famous phrase form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Sometimes translated as form is boundlessness, boundlessness is form. And uh, in a sense the relative is the map and the absolute is the territory. And and this, uh, this is what the Heart Sutra teaches and the Heart Sutra is chanted every day in Zen monasteries around the world. So unfortunately, we tend to just become overly identified with the relative, with the man. uh, We don't normally get introduced to the Absolute unless you're fortunate enough to come across a teaching like this or other teachings which introduce people to it, certainly not introduced in primary school or high school, although I think those uh, Tai Chi movements we were doing this morning would be very useful to be introduced into primary schools. So, um, from the absolute perspective, uh, there is literally no one. Nobody, like we've been talking about before. The the wisdom, the prajna realization is that there is no thing. And uh, if there is literally no one, then there is no one who suffers. This is the cutting through to the absolute, which the. Sutra talks about as the uh, as the ending of suffering. But as I said before, we do need our egoic consciousness, so we just don't have to get attached to it. Just to put it down. Uh, but if we get attached to our ego, and then we are caught in the relative world, and we experience ourselves as separate we experience others as separate and we get totally lost in the I, me and mine, and from as we were saying previously from there arises all the kinds of conflicts that human beings can involve in, ranging from conflicts over access to children, to conflicts over borders, to conflicts over minerals and wealth, etc, etc spend billions of dollars on, on rocks or ornaments to throw at each other to make sure we keep what is mine we tend to love our toys and become attached to our toys unfortunately and so the um, so from the absolute perspective though, even though the, um, there is no suffering from the absolute perspective from the absolute or the non-dual perspective well if it's non-dual, it has to contain everything. So it also contains the relative perspective. So from the absolute perspective, there is no suffering and there is suffering. Uh, the uh, From the Mahayana perspective, and this is the famous uh, Bodhisattva um, kind of uh, um, principle is that uh, no one can be free from suffering until everyone is free from suffering. So as long as there's one being that's suffering, we're suffering. Um, that's the, 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 the vow in, in, in Mahayana Buddhism that a, a practitioner takes up to uh, save all beings. Um, but the other, again, but the, the other way of looking at this is that all beings are also contained within Or us, you know. So it's in the sense in which every time we realize, even momentarily, we realize that no self, we realize that absolute, we're saving all beings in that moment. In that moment when we realize no self, there are no longer any beings to be freed. then as we as we gradually and it's a gradual process the, the, the this realization of the no self or being no body is a gradual process and it starts with just those glimpses which turn into uh, um, um, you know a, a, a deeper and, uh, and deeper and deeper as we become more intimate and more familiar with it and uh, so that after a while that ability to step outside the ego and see it as an imaginary entity, or, an, or a story becomes easier. We start to see through the dream, we're starting to awaken from the dream, and more we're able to contact that place of being nobody. And as we gradually realize this sense of a no thing, of nobody, we gradually uh, start to embody the, the Bodhisattva of compassion, Avalokiteshvara. And uh, that's the entering the path of the service. As we, as we realize our nothing, we realize that we are everything, and uh, we fall in love with the world, and we bring compassion to the world. These kind of teachings are not just in Buddhism; they're in Christianity as well, you know? and other uh, the, uh, others of those kind of religions that arose at that time. the sense of, that I can't remember the, I'm not an expert on the Gospels, but you know, that kind of teaching where you the, you, you, the person that you see is Jesus or God, I can't remember the expert. Does anybody know that one? Anybody? An expert on the Gospels here? Which one? What's it yeah. Yeah. What? When you, you What? Know, when you're treating that, that, that person, that sick person, or that you're treating Christ, you yeah. Responding. Oh yeah. To so every, you, yes, every time you
3: give a blessing to someone who you don't know, it's a blessing to Jesus or something.
1: Well, it's a sense in which you know this that in the non-dual teaching of Christianity, every human being is, is God or Christ in yeah. that sense.
4: Whatever you, you do to your brother, you do to me.
1: Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Good there one. Go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, Angie. And so this, 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 this basic journey is just simply captured very beautifully in our four practice principles and that's why they're really good, that's why we repeat them all the time. So, as you know, the first one, suffering, being caught in the self-centered dream, which is distinct from the pain of a broken leg. We're not saying that um, when you're freed from the dream, you no longer feel going to feel the pain of a broken leg. You will still feel the pain of a broken leg. Um... But you might not continue for months and months complaining about how the universe is so unfair to me because I've got a broken leg. I've just got a broken leg. (laughs) Lots (laughs) of (laughs) time to
2: meditate.
1: Similarly, it doesn't mean to say we're not going to experience the pain of the loss of a loved one. But hopefully we won't get entangled in, in, in beating ourselves up or blaming somebody else for the loss of a loved one. So those two uh, first lines of the practice principles are about attachment to self, attachment to the egoic self, the self-centred, holding on to self-centred thoughts. And then the second two lines are about the uh, freeing ourselves from that. So the end of suffering is that uh, dropping the attachment to the separate self, dropping the seeking and the resisting to this moment. Now we talked about how the, the two flip sides of the suffering yesterday, taking the form of either always there's got to be something better or that's, we're always seeking something else that this, this is never good enough this moment or we're we resisting this moment we just won't want to be this moment so this moment life itself is the great teacher and as we continue to embody that third principle of the practice principles moment by moment then the way the way of wisdom transforms into the functioning of compassion. Compassion is way, that's what we chant. So the more we're able to embody that wisdom then the the more our functioning of compassion comes into play. So that's how our, our four practice principles our really nice summation of the path. So okay, we'll open up to other um, questions or you might want to share something. <coughs>
5: Something I've, I found the attachment thing um very interesting um, and it's just in terms of like real estate and houses um, I love way the way a lot of the indigenous people talk about being custodians of the space and um, I realised that when I was in a property outside Grafton and as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, it's not only, of course, custodians of the space and the house. We're really just custodians for a bit. Because um, mm-hmm. the thing that's really impressed me, one of the major things in Buddhism is that everything is impermanent. So it's really dead obvious that we're going to have dead to let go of everything. Um, because nothing stays the same as we see with day and night and the seasons. And I just found that, that sense of um, actually just being a custodian of everything and realizing that everything changes. I found that more helpful than trying to work out you know, what was my degree of, of attachment that I could like it and enjoy it, but I mustn't get sort of you know, too hooked by it. More. Just another way of looking at it. Mm. Mm.
1: And again, as a custodian, we love the land. And we, we grieve when it's degraded. Yeah. Mm,
2: Absolutely.
1: This land is not separate from us. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm. Oh, I that idea, that idea of the um, the dynamic um, exchange that goes all the time, so, like so you're breathing out, you know, and the plants are taking it in, and they, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're actually connected in that very mm-hmm. real way. The air that we breathe.
1: Yeah, that's the the, the Tick the hand writes very beautifully yeah. but inter interbeing in, in, in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a lovely image of that, you know, that interbeing of taking My hands when uh, yesterday when we were sitting at that table with the glass top, you know, and as you're looking at it, you see the sky and the trees in the table, and it mm-hmm. feels like you're looking down from a plane and through mm-hmm. in, down to the sky. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like the table had become the sky we do know that the table is made of all those elements of earth, sky, water
4: and we made all the Mm. minerals yeah Yeah. Mm. Mm.
0: I've had the experience when I've been into uh, creating something in in a creative exercise that I've lost my sense of I, of me, of ego, uh, and in, it's an, for me it's an extraordinarily light-free feeling, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, very much a relief.
0: And I have noticed I completely lose track of time. Oh. Oh. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So in a way, I guess many people who follow the creative pursuits, that mm. um, maybe that's maybe that's I guess part of the reward. I'm not saying
1: uh, exactly. I mean, one of the classic maybe, one of the classic you know um, Zen Buddhist meditation practices is becoming so focused on the on, on the one object that you can that you take, that's what happens. Yes. So when when you take up a a, a practice like in in traditional classical Zen training, if you're doing the Koan curriculum, Mu, which is one of the first uh, Koans you take out, there's a dog, Had Buddha nature, and the teacher applies Mu. And and the the, the student goes, just focuses on Mu in your meditation. But even all throughout the day, just Mu. So you just totally become absorbed in Mu. Mm. Until every, then, till that, then eventually that kind of understanding bursts forth or the realization bursts forth yeah. and the I, me, mind totally collapses and you're just one with everything. Yes, that's the idea. There's,
0: there's no more need for I, me, mind. Mm. And that's extraordinary. Mm.
1: But in 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 the direct approach, we can also just um, experiment with. Um, there's, a few cu- there's, there's, there's three things you can ex- well, experiment with, which are really easy to do in, in, uh, in everyday life as well. You don't have to necessarily be sitting on the meditation cushion. So number one, focus on sounds and ask yourself the simple question, where do these sounds appear? Do they appear inside me or outside me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, that's one question just, that's right. just to hold. And then as we open our eyes and the world appears does the world appear as inside or outside?
2: Because
1: no. you know? normally we are trained to think of it as being on the outside yeah. think of it as appearing on the inside so most of us would say the outside but if you are expanded in this way and it's on the inside it's kind of like you're hugging the universe
6: <coughs>
1: <coughs> and finally the third one which we, I've mentioned if consciousness is universal, then the universe is your body. Sure um, So num- n- n- number one, uh, focus on sounds and ask yourself, do these sounds appear? do they appear inside me or outside me? Now as we open our eyes, does the world appear as inside or outside of us? Most of us would say outside. If you are expanded in this way, as in being on the inside, it's kind of like hugging the universe and you'll start to feel that. And the third one, Mm -hmm. if consciousness is universal, then the universe is your body.
3: I'm just fascinated with the goats. <laughs> <laughs> I went down yeah. to spend some time with the goats and was just talking briefly with um, Jan, isn't it, or Jan? Jan, Jan. Yeah. And um, and we were talking about the goats, and you know I just find them so lovely. I just started patting them, and it was kind of like I was patting them and sort of hugging them. And then I realised that they were hugging me. Well <laughs> <laughs> two of them came up and yeah, squashed me nice. between them, and yeah. they were rubbing around. Aww. And another one came up, and you know, and they were just so affectionate. Yeah. And it was sort of like this. Um, yeah. Like for a minute, it was kind of was kind of lost. I was I was, was one of the goats too. You know. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. Well, while you were being a goat, we were being geese.
2: <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> <laughs>
5: I was struck by how gentle they are. Mm-hmm.
2: No, it, was, it was lovely.
5: Mm-hmm. And you know, of those three things, of course the sound is such an easy one because um, because if, it was, if, an, if an external sound, it will so often reverberate in your body. Yes. So you know it, it's 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 the easiest way to access it in a way because you viscerally feel it where yeah. Like looking at, at the you know, hibiscus, it's like you, you, just, you, you might get the sense of energy coming to you from it, but that's much higher than the actual sound. Yeah, yeah. like in the toning yeah. exercise this morning. I
4: am. That's still weak toned, you see. You know? mm-hmm. But if the sound comes from the outside, originally. And that's a bit like I've done sometimes in uh, or been part of a group that does some um, crystal bowl. Meditation so
1: they're the crystal bowl and don't know if it's coming or going and it's sort of outside, of it, but it's inside at the same time mm-hmm. and echoes and Yeah, the balls that the, the when we when we when we uh, invite the ball to ring, it's a lovely way to start a meditation because you've got that the sound and you're listening really carefully and then the sound and where does the sound go? Yeah. yeah. and sometimes it comes back. Yeah. But, but you know, traffic is just as good, it doesn't have to be romantic. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the, the that, that sound is also the Buddha, You know, the, the, the car going past. So
6: that unconscious, ego driven individual <laughs> is <it's> helping us <laughs> in our practice, isn't that <laughs> wonderful?
4: <laughs> 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 that's very much the sense too, I think we had a little bit last night about before the storm came with the stars which was so bright and I think when you're looking at the stars like that you get a bit lost in where you are too. Mm-hmm. Was just spectacular
2: last
3: night. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Very bright. It's kind of like the, the reverse of that, you often come across that idea about you look up at the sky and you feel so insignificant and small but flip that around, if the stars are inside you if you don't become um, have a sort of uh, psychotic um, episode, <laughs> but you know, we, we, we are not, we are God in that sense, or we are universe, whatever you, way you want to put it. It doesn't mean we have to go around believing we're Jesus Christ. Don't
2: like
1: <laughs> try walking on water tonight.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: So, and there are these sort of moments, uh, like like uh, Jonathan, you know, expressed to us a couple of times, you know, where he's experienced these moments where uh, there's a, a great easing, a, a real mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. of of you know, egolessness and and getting inside the moment. Um, just some stuff I've been reading. Um, uh, that's referred to as satori, is that
1: right? Or is that, uh, be cur- be, well, be careful. Like in the Japanese tradition, yeah, there's two words, satori and Kensho. um and um, and you read stories of people who have had these uh, experiences, and it's um, can be a bit a bit tricky um, if you associate. Um, enlightenment with those kind of fireworky experiences yeah, okay. so it doesn't um, very special some experiences well it. um, yeah, so, um, sometimes it's such a relief to people it's such a, a joy mm-hmm. that it takes on that form it, it, it's um, mm-hmm. such a joyous thing to experience mm-hmm. but it's, it can also be a much more gradual process where that sense of joy and wonder just starts to become more and more a part of your daily life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a big Flashy, no. instantaneous, I think. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: I think like what Jonathan was saying, sometimes when you're expressing that stuff through the things that you love, it art or music and things like that and it just becomes timeless and you get lost in it and I think that seems a bit of that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well,
0: I
6: can, you know, as a musician, you know, I think unconsciously whenever I, I'm playing my instrument, the, the The mind turns off, the conversation Mm -hmm. certainly turns off. So, in a sense, through my life, I have been practicing, I realised, you know, just been practicing a kind of unintentional meditation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so, artistic pursuits like that, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, can really help a person become certainly more sensitised. I love that moment Mm -hmm. in an empty room at night. And you just get inside one note. You, you just literally get inside one note, like a bowl. A, a note played on the guitar can be just yeah. You know, that's that's where that kind of art can take you if you allow it. It's the same. I'm sure with painters and and, and poets, people who work with language. Oh, the dance. Dance. Yeah. The dance. 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 Because mm-hmm. so I think all those, you know, those sort of artistic pursuits, they, they suspend the conversation. They yes. suspend ah. the mm-hmm.
0: for mm-hmm. that moment. Mm-hmm. 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 That's a good, I like that. Yeah. Sometimes even, I think, sorry, can you finish?
3: Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think even uh, repetitious movement can do that. You know, like, I, I like um, stitching, even just hemming something. I'll be in them, mm. and, and my mind switches off because I'm concentrating on the pattern of it. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, you're becoming one with the stitching.
3: Mm. Yes. Yeah, so when you, I don't do it anymore, but spinning yarn, yeah, spinning
1: wheel, you know, mm. Um washing clothes, sometimes
3: mm. that mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. It doesn't take you to another place like painting uses. Can identify what Johnson said. Because I used to paint a lot, and it would just, I would disappear. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't have that same effect, but this is mindful.
5: Back
1: but, but it's like all the to <coughs> yes. the once you've tweaked onto the yeah. thing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, 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 I think, I mean, it's, 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 it's a debatable point if formal meditation is necessary. It, mm-hmm. it is for me, I've been doing it for so long, that I, it's a part of my life now. And, and I think it's been really, really helpful. Uh, but maybe for some people it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, since I've been more intentionally and consciously practicing the awareness of the visuals as arising within me as arising within me, it's amazing how more vivid the world has become. It's not just been so much about the meditation, it's been more about actually noticing it or just paying more attention to it. And then the, even the, like I said, to, you know, just the domestic scenes of the of the kitchen and stuff, and the light coming. I mean, I was in touch with that as a child. or I have some very, my earliest memories are of sitting in the kitchen while my mother was cooking and the sort of light being coming through the window and mm. Mm. just sort of, you know, being there in that. And, and we, that's available to us all the time. Yeah. And children
5: have that. Yes, yes. So got like have And the joy of just moving their bodies or something to happen. So we can, you know, that's why we're yeah. born with it.
1: Mm. Right. Our natural state.
5: Yeah. Mm.
1: Um. So it's is, it's, it's so. Well, our natural way 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 state is literally either beaten out of us or torn out of us. out yeah.
0: of it? Come into the system, children.
2: No, let us
1: educate you. You don't want to hold on to all of that. Beautiful stuff you have there. Let's prepare yeah. you for the factories in the Actually, old days. Right now let's prepare you for the screens.
3: You see little kids sometimes in the shop, and if there's music on they're just go. Yeah,
0: I i It's lovely. I think I mentioned to you, Andrew, um, when I was uh, seeing you as a client. Um, I have periods where I am so overwhelmed by the extraordinary beauty that I'm existing in this moment that uh, I can't function. I um, I need to lie down, um, and I lose the ability to um, to do anything else for a few minutes, uh, and I feel overwhelmed extraordinary tingling in, in this moment that I'm alive and this is around me. Um, that's happening less to me, um, but I'm just in that discussion. I'm feeling there's something that... There's something I'm missing that I get overwhelmed by at all.
1: Who gets overwhelmed?
0: Uh, the eye, the, the the Jonathan. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that's mm-hmm. it.
0: So I'm having both experiences at once. I'm feeling an extraordinary freedom. That uh, this part of me is scared. Yeah, that's right. Part of me is what? Scared. Oh, part of me is scared. Strung. Yeah, okay. But maybe at that moment you don't need to function as anything else. Yeah. Yeah, thank goodness it doesn't happen when I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, I'll see you to the GP. I'm sorry, John. You have a beauty disorder. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot drive. <laughs> 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 That'll be the next DSM five classification: beauty disorders. <laughs> so, yes.
3: in, in all that beauty there's <laughs> still, <laughs> still
0: this <there's laughs> part of me in the tiny room, yeah. that surprises me. That surprises
1: me. It'll hang on for as long as it can. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah.
5: yeah. 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 it happens doing be a good job at times. Okay. Mm. But isn't there always the animal part of us that hangs
1: on <coughs> because the survival mechanism? Or well, can we be the animal part of us without the ego? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Is there a natural inherent intelligence when we're functioning from the. Uh, Free awareness or a non-abiding awareness. There's a, there is a natural intelligence that, mm. that, that comes from that wisdom, mm. which yeah, leads exactly. to a functioning of compassion. Mm. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't think like you know that traditional Freudian notion that we have to discipline the the animal part of us because the animal part of us is destructive. I think if we tend curdle to the animal part of us, it'll be okay. It's I think it's more the ego part of us that's destructive.
4: Mm. Mm-hmm. But that that kind of concept gets used a lot. Like when people are promoting war and things like that, they will say, "Oh, the animals fight. This fight And I just yeah. think it's a bit of a con, really. Because mm. yeah. so it's human nature, you human do. nature. yeah. 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 That's a
1: justification of the I mean, like you said, when you witness animals, you know, they're they yes. lovely to each other most of the time. Sure, they'll have the the males will have the dominant fights every now and again. Yeah. But, they, but sometimes it's really it's really playful. We have these seven steers at our place, and they. Every now and again they'll get in some head, head-butting. It's just yeah. a playful head-butting kind of play that yeah. they do. It's really yeah. lovely to watch. Yeah. And then they go back to licking each other and all that kind of stuff and looking it's mm-hmm. lovely. It's more like the survival,
5: you know the survival part that's doing in our brain stem. It's more like <coughs> our people in palliative care and all that. Yeah. You know, you, know but, uh, you, you sort of think, well, they think they've got its sort water of and blah, blah, blah. But there's a very strong, like, survival element in. That almost seems to me to be—I'm not talking about wars or anything
1: like that—that that seems to be still, you know, there from our ancient heritage. Yeah, but I think that can be transformed yeah. through the wisdom that comes I through know. this kind of realization, so because, happen. like, if you're not, if, yeah, mm-hmm. it can be transformed. It's a lot of conditioning, isn't there, fear around mm-hmm. having to fight for stuff, yeah.
4: and to stay alive. And to... Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. But if, if, if a tiger comes, we run away. I mean, that's just a natural mm-hmm. instinct. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, that yeah, doesn't have to that, that doesn't have to lead to destruction or harm. But a tiger's going to
3: kill something else
1: for survival. Oh, yeah. No, I was talking. I was running running away from the tiger. Oh, sorry, yeah. I mean, we don't lose that sort of natural, you know, instinct. No, it's
5: just that when you were talking about animals being nice to each other. I mean, they.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, you know, for
5: survival they're doing, they're killing other animals. Yeah. Where does spontaneity come into
1: this? I was thinking. Oh, oh earlier. Again, it's the the spont the, the understanding of spontaneity in the teachings is more about that, you know, this um, sense in which you 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 you're responding spontaneously from that place of 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 that of that awareness, that, mm-hmm. that non dual awareness, the, the sense of responding from that place of Well, compassion is meant to be a way of responding. That's the that's the word, that's the functioning of yeah. wisdom. Okay. And uh, we don't necessarily have a formula for how that responds, but responding with compassion.
5: Respond oh,